from the Brainswell Media Studios, this is the Sales Training World broadcast with your sales coach, Ryan Dorn. Ryan is an Emmy winner, a certified business coach, and a 25-year sales and marketing veteran. He has trained over 4,000 sales professionals in seven countries, and he still sells today. No fluff, no bull. Tactical and practical sales and business advice to help your business go places you never thought possible. Welcome to Sales Training World. Now, your sales coach, your business coach, your host, Ryan Dorn. Hello, friends. Ryan Dorn here, and welcome to the Sales Training World podcast. No matter what you sell, whether it's media, maybe you sell insurance, maybe you sell cars, software, you name it, we're going to cover it here on the Sales Training World podcast. Don't forget, for those of you in the media sales business, we spun off a podcast especially for you. It's called Ad Sales Nation. You can find it on iTunes, uh, Spotify, etc. Just search for Ad Sales Nation. Here we got a bunch of great stuff to talk about today. Today our topic is selling to younger buyers. So maybe you're like me, and every day I swear the people that I'm selling to are younger and younger. And I love millennials, by the way. No millennial hate allowed on the Sales Training World podcast. Even if you are a millennial, I think it's important to know when you're selling to your peers. Uh, what's the best way to be able to communicate effectively? I think as we talk about this, you'll realize that by the sheer nature that you are in the sales business as a millennial or a Gen Zer, it's important for you to understand how to sell backwards and forwards. So we're going to cover how to sell to younger buyers today. Also got some great listener questions uh, on the show today. So thanks. Uh, let's see. Cindy from LA. Thanks so much for your question. Mark from Charlotte. Renee from New Mexico, three great questions. And uh, I'm going to have uh, Mike Obert from Open Look Business Solutions uh, join me. Uh, he's been in the sales business for a very, very long time, and he's going to dissect uh, those uh, questions uh, as well. You know, I'd be a pretty bad sales coach and trainer if I didn't have some sponsors to thank. I just mentioned one of them there. Open Look Business Solutions. Open-look.com is their website. Check them out. They do everything from data collection to telemarketing, scrubbing data, sales for you. You name it, Open Look can do it. Reach out to Mike and Brad and Kevin and the whole gang over there at open-look.com. If you're in need of marketing assistance, reach out to the fine folks at January Spring. January Spring is a digital agency located in Denver, Charity, and Shannon. Our experts over on the Ad Sales Nation podcast that we do each and every month for those in the ad sales business. But they're digital marketers and they can help you with everything, managing social media to website designs and builds, you name it, in the digital world, January Spring is there to help. So check them out online at JanuarySpring.com. All right, so our topic today is selling to younger buyers. Then we're going to get to your listener questions. By the way, if you've got a topic, we'd love uh, to hear from you. You want something covered on the podcast or reach out to me, Ryan at RyanDorn.com. My last name is D-O-H-R-N, Ryan at RyanDorn.com. All right, selling to younger buyers. I'm amazed. Um, I travel about 15 days a month. I'm amazed at how people misunderstand younger buyers. I've spent a considerable amount of time, probably thousands of hours, researching the buying habits of people old and young. And I love millennials. Um, some of you are millennial haters, and you need to you need to stop. Um, it's just it's really not productive to lump all these fine folks into one collective group of lazy, disrespectful kind of folks. It's it's not helpful at all, and they're not like that. The simple fact that we're dealing with awesome millennials that are passionate about things just means that you're not connecting with them very well. If you don't like them, you're probably not connecting with them very well. 
And if you're only hanging out with baby boomers, then that can be pretty darn uh, boring as well. So let me give you these. Uh, let me give you these numbers. I think a lot of you don't understand really kind of where you fall. I met somebody the other day that said, "Oh, I'm a Gen Xer," and I said, "When were you born?" And they said, "Well, I was born in '82." I said, "Yeah, no, you are a millennial." So let's work our way backwards. Let's start with um, those born 1925. It's 1945. That's called the silent generation, 1925 to 45, <laughs> which is always kind of laughable to me. I've got a lot of people in my life that are 60 years plus, and uh, they're definitely not silent. So I don't know where that name comes from. Uh, baby boomers. Those are used, use, use that were born 1946 to 1964. 46 to 64. Those are baby boomers. Uh, my generation, Gen Xers were the best, by the way. <laughs> Generation X, 65 to 80. If you were born 1965 to 1980. How about that? So some of you didn't even realize that 65 to 80, you're actually Gen Xers. Uh, Millennials, uh, you were born 1981 to 1994. 1981 to 1994. A lot of people try to dispute that. Um, and it's, it's you know been pretty well documented. Some people say it's 1980 to 2000. I don't see that very often. I mostly see 1981 to 1994. Um, after millennials is the iGen or Generation Z. That's 95 to 2012. 1995 to 2012. And then the coolest generation ever, those born after 2013, Generation Alpha. How about that? That's a pretty cool name. Generation Alpha. Uh, born 2013 uh, and beyond. All this information coming from the Center for Generational Kinetics. And um, they're going to be uh, the source that we're going to use uh, throughout our conversation today. All right, so let's talk about selling to younger uh, buyers. I think that this is going to ring true for everybody, but it's an important conversation for us to talk about. All right, I'm going to give you five choices. Are you ready? One, two, three, four, five. Millennials like to be communicated to in this order, okay? They like to be communicated to in this order. What do you think is number one? Do you think it's texts? Do you think it's email? Do you think it's social media, phone calls, or in person? How do millennials most like to be contacted or communicated with? Is it text, email, social media, phone calls, or in person? You're probably going to get this first one right. Number one, the, the most common way millennials like to be communicated with, or more specifically, younger buyers, texts and text app like WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger. That's the preferred method of communication. We're going to talk more about that in a minute because if you don't know someone, should you text them? Well, that's up for debate. Okay, so that's number one, texting. How about number two? Is it email or social media? Phone calls or in person? Number two is email. Email is the second line of communication. Then social media, then phone calls, then in-person interactions. Think about this. Fifth on the list is actually talking to a person. Now, does this make these group, this group of people bad? Well, no. What we have to do is adopt. We're going to have to adopt to this and figure out, or adapt rather. We're going to have to adapt to this and figure out where are we going to grow from here? What are we going to do? Because most of us recognize that to get the sale done, we've got to be face-to-face with somebody in a lot of circumstances, or at least on a go-to-meeting, or at least on a phone call. How are we going to sell via text? Well, I think that even millennials would recognize texting is the preferred method of communication. But quite honestly, you know, in-person communications is something we just we can't avoid as humans. We're going to have to figure out how to do it. So let's talk about this for a minute. Now, for all of us, say, over the age of 40, okay, I'm 46. 
um, over the age of 40, I think we need to recognize that GoToMeeting or WebEx or Join.me or Zoom, it has become so commonplace that if you are meeting with a millennial buyer of any kind, no matter what you're selling, and you don't invite them to some type of online meeting, quite honestly, it just makes you seem older than you are. And it's so commonplace to share your webcam, share a slide deck, come prepared for the conversation that to only use phone or only use email or only use text is really, quite honestly, a little bit off-putting to a younger buyer. They expect you to be prepared. They expect you to embrace technology. Come on, friends, you can't say, oh, listen, I'm just the old guy in the room. You know, you can't do that anymore. If you want to sell to a younger buyer, you need to embrace technology. You need to wrap your arms around technology. You need to say, hey, I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to be sales agnostic. I'm going to sell to you any way that you want to be sold to. It's perfectly fine with me. As long as it's ethical, I'm there for you. Whatever it is that you want, Mr. or Mrs. Buyer. So the order that they prefer to be connected to, younger buyers, connect with them first via text, then email, social media, phone calls, and in person. Now, do you text with people that you don't know? Well, I think even millennials would find that to be a little creepy. So quite honestly, until I have some type of interaction via email, meet somebody at a trade show, get their permission. I typically don't reach out to them blindly with text, with one exception. If I get a business card from somebody and their email, their uh, rather their cell phone number is on the e, uh, business card, then very often I will reach out to them via text, say, hey, it's Ryan Dorn uh, from Brainswell Media. We met at such and such, love to chat next week, have some coffee and figure out how we can work together, uh, things like that. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to text first, that you're going to email first. I think you want to recognize what is the communication pattern and understand if you're expecting a younger buyer to call you back, probably not going to happen. If you're expecting that you are always going to be building a relationship with them face-to-face, that's fifth on their list. Quite honestly, not probably looking to have a relationship with you as a salesperson, to be honest. Now, I remember the day when you would build relationships. You'd go out and you'd have cocktails and dinner and all that kind of stuff, and that's how you sold people. Well, it's not that it doesn't work like that still today, but the relationship is not the go-to piece of the sales process. It's pretty darn important, but quite honestly, sales has become a lot more transactional. All right, number two. So that number one is figuring out how to connect with them. Number two, you want to offer help instead of a sales pitch. Number two, you want to offer help instead of a sales pitch. The emails and things like that would would kind of sound like, I think I can help you with that, or I'd like to help you with that. You might be offering eBooks. You might be offering videos, sales videos. You might be offering sales guides and things like that. You really want to offer a lot of collateral material because younger buyers really truly like to figure it out themselves And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It used to be that you had to meet with a salesperson. I mean, you had to if you're going to sell to them. And quite honestly, that's not the case today. Typically, 80-some percent of buyers or more than 80% of buyers prefer to get the vast majority of their information from your website or from other materials before they talk to you as a salesperson. So check your old school sales process at the door. If your go-to is they have to meet with you to get your information, the 90s are calling, they want you back. (laughs) You've got to step up your game. So that's number two, offer help, great collateral material instead of a sales pitch. All right, number three is understanding the emotional component that is working in the hearts and minds and souls 
of the millennial and younger buyer. There's an emotional component there. What I mean by that is that this younger set of buyers really wants proof. They want case studies. They want you to prove to them through your sales materials, through your successful uh, clients, through testimonials, through data. They want you to prove to you. They want they want you to prove to them that this product is worth their time and consideration. It used to be that if you said it as a salesperson, most of the time somebody would believe what you said. Quite honestly, that's not the case today, and it's important for you to recognize that that is not the case. And so because of that, you need to understand the emotional component that plays into this. Now, some people might say, well, that's just brain power being exercised at its fullest. It is, but recognizing that by nature, the younger generation is a lot more emotionally attached to their, to their jobs. And so it's not just a job, it's an emotional attachment. They really want to do well in their role. They really want to prove themselves to their boss, to their company, and to their peers. So because of that, they're looking for case studies, testimonial, proof, data. So make sure you bring that to the sales call. Now, is that just millennials? I think that's kind of everybody these days. But recognize since the topic is selling more to a younger buyer, you do want to make sure that you're offering those case studies, that data, and that proof. If you don't have any, figure it out, friends, because you're probably going to need it. Our number four in selling to younger buyers, it's so important. When it comes to your pricing and your proposals, you need to be very transparent. Transparency is everything. We hear it all the time on the news as we talk about politics, uh, whatever it is that you fall on either side of the, uh, the aisle in that political debate. You need to be transparent in your sales presentations, your deck, decks, and your pricing. So let's just say that, for example, you offer a package price where you lump six things together for one low price. It's not that it doesn't work. It's not that it's a sales technique that I don't use and that I don't teach. I'm just noticing that now more than ever before, these younger buyers, they really want to know what's in the recipe. They really want to know what's in the sausage. They just don't want to, to take it from you um, as it is with a big lumped price. They really want to see the components. I think the reason is because most salespeople are full of crap. <laughs> so I think, I think what they're looking for is they're looking for transparency in your pricing. They're looking for honesty and transparency uh, in the stories that you're sharing, in the success stories, in your case studies, and things like that. This is so important. If you're not transparent and you're hiding things and you get found out to a younger buyer or an older buyer, quite honestly, any buyer, you're going to be sunk. So that old, you know, kind of old salesman, saleswoman kind of thing where you kind of could basically kind of say what you want, exaggerate, maybe fib a little bit here and there. Yeah, not anymore. Um, people can pull out their cell phone and fact check you so quickly that it's important for you to be very, very transparent. All right, fifth, last but not least, you really need to shorten up your pitch. Keep your sales pitch short and sweet. Your sales presentations short and sweet. Younger buyers do their business and their life chores on the go with their smartphone. Um, their attention is constantly torn apart by various updates and so many things going on. So don't fail to deliver this. What's in it for them? From the very first line of your presentation, uh, whatever it is, you've got to deliver what's in it for them. It's not that they're more selfish than any of us. Quite honestly, we're all pretty darn selfish these days. 
but you want to recognize you need to be short, sweet, prepared, come with ideas ready to go. Don't be one of those salespeople that's always leaving to create a proposal. Come to meetings with ideas ready to go. Younger buyers very much appreciate that. Be forward thinking. Have technology at your fingertips. And when you really think about this, selling to younger buyers is a good thing because guess what? It raises your game. Millennials, younger buyers have made me a better salesperson. Now, let's just say you're a millennial or you're a Gen Z or an iGener or even a Generation Alpha, I guess, listening to the podcast today. Recognize, even when you're selling to your peers, the simple fact that you are in the sales business means that you might have been corrupted by an old school sales guy like me. So be careful that you're communicating effectively. You've probably got that. You're offering help instead of a sales pitch. Number three, you're blending in that emotional component using case studies and proving things with sourced materials. Number four, you're being really crazy transparent. Number five, you're keeping those sales pitches short and sweet. So where do you grow from here? Change your game, friends. If it's not working for you, if you're not getting the results that you want, you need to make it happen for you. You need to make some changes to your sales game because if it's not working, stop redefining insanity. Quit trying to work harder. Figure out a new path and maybe some of these ideas will point you in the right direction. If you've got questions or comments, send them over to me, ryan at ryandorn.com. My last name is D-O-H-R-N, ryan at ryandorn.com. So what do we do? We train and coach salespeople just like all of you, John and Clay and myself over here at Brainswell Media and the sales training world team. We'd love to come to your office and do some corporate sales, sales training for you. We blend all kinds of fun and humor and interactivity into all of our training. We actually sell stuff every single day. So we're not just your typical trainers that are just showing up and throwing up and giving you a bunch of junk. We actually are preparing for you and providing to you tactical and practical sales training that we use every day on the street that you can put into action. So reach out to us over at brainswellmedia.com or salestrainingworld.com. All right, we've got some listener questions. This is by far the most favorite part of the program. And uh, I'm really thrilled today to have Mike Obert uh, to help me answer these questions. Uh, Mike is one of our sponsors over at Open Look Business Solutions. And uh, Mike and I know each other from being in the media business. Of course, all of you know that I do a lot more than media, I do software sales and technology sales and things like that. Uh, Mike has been in the business uh, since 1990, uh, selling all kinds of different things. He's been in the CEO role. Uh, he's been a manager, sales manager, and a salesperson out on the street. Uh, so Mike, thrilled uh, to uh, have you here uh, with us today. And we got three questions. We've got a question from Renee in New Mexico, uh, Mark in Charlotte, and then Cindy uh, out in LA. So if you don't mind, Mike, um, let's answer some questions together. Uh, Mike, love to, yeah, this is cool. Love to um, uh, throw you this one out uh, from, I've got three of them here. Mark in Charlotte uh, asked this question. Ryan, I truly believe that CRM tools are an utter waste of my time. Why is it that every sales manager at every sales organization insists on us putting notes in our CRM. Um, Mike, what do you think? I've got some thoughts. What are your thoughts on that? 
my thoughts is you cannot remember everything that you have got going on and those <laughs> advertisers that that you might have on the cusp or somebody that said, call me back in six months. How are you going to put them in a tickler or how are you going to remember to call those people? So 100 percent absolute you need to have some sort of CRM to use. No, absolutely. I, I agree. And um, those of you that know me well know that I use the magazine manager. I do a lot of print media sales and I do it from an organizational perspective. By nature, I'm not an organized person. I know you all might find that hard to, hard to believe. But what I do is I break my lists in the CRM down to prospects, people that are in progress, people that are active, people that are inactive. So my prospect list I manage in my CRM. Once I get a meeting with somebody, I change them in the CRM. In Magazine Manager, I change them over to In Progress so that I can monitor my In Progress people. And then maybe, I don't know Mark. Uh, I don't think I know Mark from Charlotte. Maybe, Mark, you just haven't reached the age of 40 yet. After the age of 40, you'll forget things, dude. Trust me. <laughs> Mike, can you, are you, can you are confirm you speaking from ex- Yeah, I'm <laughs> speaking from experience, yes. I've, I have forgotten some oh, things. So I but. don't think that it is... Um, that is just a tyrannical approach. Uh, just remember, no matter what CRM you have, I'm sure you're going to want to make improvements to it or whatever the circumstances. Um, no CRMs are, are 100% perfect. Um, so if you think you're going to switch, you know, just just ask yourself, is it really worth it? Am I, why, am I, why am I switching? What's the reason right. that I'm switching? So. And w- one thing to note, too, I, I use Magazine Manager as well. Some of these CRMs are so slick that, you know, you're emailing you, all your uh, – proposals, your templates, they're all within the CRM. So it makes things a lot faster, a lot easier, and more consistent. Mm-hmm. Agreed. The consistency piece is important because as salespeople, we're usually not real great writers. Our grammar usually stinks. Um, we should download Grammarly immediately on our computers. And from a consistency perspective, it just keeps you on the mark. So, All right, Mark uh, from Charlotte, hope that's um, helpful and uh, hope you don't think we're poking fun at you. Sir, because we're not, we want you to Use your CRM. And uh, by the way, tell your boss uh, to send us each 20 bucks for that encouragement. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, next question from uh, Cindy in Los Angeles. Uh, Cindy says, uh, Ryan, I'm struggling with a sales rep who excels at relationship building, as well as asking good probing questions that qualify the buyers. Cool. Um, they're really good in person and over the phone. The next step would be creating a proposal. And this is where this rep tends to miss the mark. There's too much time procrastinating after the sales call and the rep often misses the window to create and present and deliver that proposal. Uh, What are your thoughts? Mike, um, from my perspective, I think you're on the same page with me. I like to take ideas to the sales meeting itself. I like to be ready to go with some ideas. What, What are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. We pretty much have a standard two or three proposals that we offer just about everybody. So you're giving them a choice of what they want, uh, but it's not confusing for the sales rep or for the person that they're presenting to. So uh, as the manager, you might want to uh, have that person already armed with these proposals and help them create those proposals before they even go in. Yeah, I get a lot of people that will say to me, Ryan, how is it that we would create a proposal before having a, a meeting with somebody to find out their needs, wants, and desires? And my answer to that is pretty straightforward. Typically, and most advertisers typically do what everyone else in their category is doing. Now, there are some nuances. They may want to do a different kind of creative or they might want to change the release date. But typically, 
if someone in the radio business, if the number one car dealer is buying morning drive, afternoon drive, and evening drive, and not buying middays, it's unlikely that their competitor is going to buy middays. So, and the same thing in the magazine and TV business. Typically, uh, birds of a feather flock together. So I would encourage you, Cindy, to, as Mike said, put some proposals together in advance, go out on those sales calls armed and ready to go, tweak on the fly. Um, but friends that are listening, you know, out here in the ad sales nation, don't think you can't go to a meeting with a proposal. Um, you can tweak it on the fly. Um, you know, Mike, are you guys, how many custom proposals are you really doing for your, in your, you, you guys have magazines in your media business. How many custom yeah. are you doing? It's rare. Uh, majority of the, the people that we're closing right now, it's either a sponsorship, uh, where we've already got that package pre-prepared, um, or, you know, they're doing some sort of frequency buy for the size of ad. So, yeah, yeah. um, yeah, are we, are my best sales rep right now has a, pretty much a blank contract that she goes out with to every every meeting. She gives the proposal and they sign it on the spot. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's my encouragement to everybody in the B2B and consumer space. Don't think that you have to customize for everything. I was just working with an amazing company in Washington, D.C., um, and their name is Hanley Wood. They're just a powerhouse and they're just they've got great leadership and great salespeople. We had a long discussion about coming to big client meetings with ideas ready to go. And what we came away with was this. We can do it. The buffet is large. The buffet is large, but we can do it. Just remember, the vast majority of people don't like buffets. They think they're gross. The vast majority. So there's too many choices. And the fact that people are breathing on your food. But there's too many choices. <laughs> so when you present people with a lot of choices, they tend to not buy anything. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Mike, before we move on to the next question? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Don't, don't, uh, uh, overpolish the apple. Yeah. Um, yeah. Give, give them some s sweet and simple. And then if yeah. they need something customized, then you can go back, but that's going to be rare. Yeah. What I actually meant, Mike, is do you like buffets is what I actually meant. <laughs> <laughs> My, can I tell a real quick story? Yeah. My mom thinks a buffet is the best place because everybody can get what they want. Right. And like at a restaurant, you can still get yeah, what you ever, want. <laughs> exactly. And nobody's sticking their finger um, in the chocolate uh, fountain, the chocolate flowing fountain <laughs> at Golden Corral or whatever. So. Exactly. All yes. right, cool. All right. So, uh, Cindy, uh, best of luck uh, on that. And I think you're going to be uh, a raging, raging success. So, all right. Good question from Mark. Good question uh, from, from Cindy. And let's um, then move, let's move on to Renee. Uh, Renee from Albuquerque. Albuquerque is a cool town, by the way. Uh, Renee, Renee from Albuquerque. Face-to-face -face meetings are becoming less and less a part of my sales activity. It's not because I don't want them. It's because people don't want to meet with me face-to-face. -face. Any thoughts, any ideas? Uh, Renee, I totally understand. Um, it is happening in markets large and small across the world. I was working with a group uh, in Singapore, exact same thing. Australia, exact same thing. D.C., exact same thing. So I'd give you a couple of suggestions, and I'm going to toss this over to Mike for his ideas. First and foremost, you need to make sure that you use math to your advantage. It might just be that people don't want to meet with you because of the nature of the media that you're selling. I'm not intimately familiar with that. But friends, here's what I can tell you. Typically, statistically, an advertiser will tell you four times in some way, shape, or form, no, typically, before they grant you a meeting, four times. 
from salesforce.com, statistically speaking, on their website, most, most salespeople give up after four attempts. So if most advertisers, they say no four times, and most sales reps give up after four times, that means you're one phone call away from potentially getting a meeting. So Renee, make sure that you use math to your advantage. And number two, if they won't meet face-to-face, try GoToMeeting or WebEx or something like that, join.me. Um, I, sometimes people are a lot more willing to meet on the computer uh, than they are uh, in person. Now, Mike, I know you're a big fan of face-to-face meetings. Um, I know that from talking with you. What are your thoughts on getting more face-to-face meetings? You know, one one tool that we talked about earlier on the podcast would be those mock ads. Give them something to see. Give them a reason to open the door. Tell them, hey, I, I've, our team has worked on something for you. I want right. to show it to you. Mm-hmm. Give give them a reason to open the door. Um, and, and I think you have said it in your other uh, spe- uh, things that I've seen you speak on, Ryan. But, you know, would ask somebody for 15 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, because if you ask them for 30, they're going to think it's an hour. Right. If you ask them for 10 to 15, then they know it's going to be 20 to 30 minutes. So just go in, hey, I'm, I'm going to be in the neighborhood. Uh, I'll be there uh, at one o'clock on, on Wednesday. Can I pop in and show you this this new spec ad that I made for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that might be a great way to open up the door there. Yeah, agreed. You know, I, I don't know if you've used these in the past. I know we would use Redex surveys um, to get in the door with people. We would do readership surveys, listener surveys, viewership surveys uh, to get in the doors with people. I'm always looking for some type of ethical hook. And um, I imagine, based on the question you're asking, it's I think you're a consumer magazine. And so it's a lot of times it's uh, showing up uh, as well. In the B2B space... I'm a big fan of having something to share, an industry trend report, something that you can share with them because probably they don't want to meet with you about advertising, probably. So, all right, Renee and Mark, um, thanks so much, uh, Cindy, for your questions. And uh, Mike from uh, Open Look Business Solutions, thanks, Mike, for uh, joining us for uh, these uh, listener questions. Uh, We sure appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Man, Ryan, that was a lot of fun. Thanks so much, Mike. We sure appreciate it. Look forward to having you on the podcast very soon. Friends, if you need some outsourcing help, reach out to Mike, Kevin, and Brad. Open-look.com is their website, open-look.com. They can help you with audits, surveys, telemarketing, uh, data collection, data scrubbing. You name it, they can help. Great guys and a great team. I use them for a lot of projects. Open-look.com. Well, that's the Sales Training World podcast for this month. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. If you got a topic or a question, send it over to us, ryan at ryandorn.com. D-O-H-R-N is my last name, ryan at ryandorn.com. Love to train your team, love to coach you. More than anything, really love to come to your sales conferences. If you've got an annual sales meeting, uh, invite me in. I'm telling you, it'll be something you won't forget. We have a ton of fun together and we'll bring you tactical and practical information to motivate your sales team. Just did a big conference in DC and that company's reporting back a 30% growth in their sales teams uh, because we've got them so unbelievably pumped up. Friends, don't forget you can find us at salestrainingworld.com, brainswellmedia.com and I'm Ryan Dorn. Thanks for being here. Remember friends, if sales was easy, everybody be doing it and they're not. So we're either crazy, <laughs> which is possible or we found a career that will feed our families for a lifetime. All right, friends, God bless. We'll see you out on the streets.